The 2% inflation target is key to the Fed's vision for stable prices in the U.S. economy, as well as the rest of the world. 2% Bank of England inflation target. But who decided 2% was the magic number? It is, I think, an error to say 2% is somehow magically the right number. You, you would think somewhere in the Bible, you know, God says he wants 2% inflation. The, the 2% inflation target, like, it's... It's relatively arbitrary. It was invented oddly in New Zealand. 25, 30 other central banks adopted the New Zealand approach, so we led the way in inflation targeting. I mean, there's a bit of a mafia amongst central bankers. You know, once you're in the family, you're in the family sort of things. <laughs> and they all get together, sit around conference tables. Turns out the 2% inflation target didn't exactly start that way. It's sort of a historical accident. Somehow it just became 2%. <laughs> like 2 percent yep. good. Yeah, they missed out. They missed out the zero two. It was, it was zero to two. <laughs> Here's how economies across the globe adopted inflation targeting, how they settled on 2%, and whether or not that target may change. The Federal Reserve uses monetary policies to achieve its dual mandate, maximum employment and price stability. Price stability can be achieved with inflation targeting, which is... It's just the simple idea that the way a central bank should run its policy is to choose an explicit numerical target for inflation. The Federal Reserve didn't have an official inflation target until 2012, which happened to be right after the Federal Open Market Committee contrarian of the time, Tom Honig, left his position. I was president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City from 1991 to 2011. During the period that I was there, it followed the great inflation. That period was really quite chaotic, if you will. And too many dollars start chasing too few goods. The result, inflation. In the late 80s, an individual from the Bank of New Zealand came to the United States. That individual is Arthur Grimes. He is pretty much the father of inflation targeting. In the 70s and 80s, New Zealand had one of the highest inflation rates in the Western world. Grimes was fresh out of the London School of Economics. Yeah, and I applied these new insights into designing a brand new Central Bank Act. It was, it was a wonderful opportunity for a, for a you know, really freshly minted PhD economist. I had worked at the bank for six years before I did my PhD, so I knew the Central Bank well. So the bank was shifting to be more independent because in New Zealand at the time, its central bank was tied to the government. We were saying, well, okay, if we have independence, what should we target? Interest rates or the money supply? One day I said, well, actually, what are we trying to achieve? We're trying to achieve price stability. Why don't we just have an inflation target? You know, it was sort of like cut through the, the middleman. And thus, inflation targeting was born, not as a strict 2%, but instead as a range. But we really wanted to embed our credibility by achieving a target that no one believed we would achieve. So we made the target pretty tight, just, you know, 1% plus or minus 1%, which became just the zero to two. But I have to tell you, even around the table at the central bank, we didn't believe it. You know, the idea of achieving 1% inflation was none of us had experienced in our adult lifetimes, you know, pretty much. And we got there. In fact, we got there a year earlier than we said we would. From then on, people started saying, actually, they do mean business. Like most things, instead of going to zero, everyone became satisfied with 2%, and that became the target first in Europe, and then eventually adopted by European Central Bank. Like inflation targeting became very fashionable in like the late 1990s, early 2000s. Targeting 2% keeps consumer expectations 
anchored. So if people can reliably expect inflation to be at or around 2%, the target can steady, aka anchor, the market. By international standards, New Zealanders live well. Other central banks started adopting it before we got the unemployment down. But economic disaster will surely arrive. The policy did lead to records of unemployment in New Zealand. It took a few years before unemployment came back down to normal levels and inflation stayed low. I actually left the Reserve Bank in 1993, thinking that, okay, now we've solved all the problems of monetary policy. Clearly, I've turned out to be uh, a little too optimistic on that front in recent years. And this was before the U.S. had an explicit target. In the 1990s, that was still the Greenspan era when they wouldn't say a number. And have not other countries had successful results in lowering rates of inflation as well as our country? It's too soon to tell, Mr. Chairman. But, you know, it sure looked like every time inflation went above 2%, they would raise interest rates to reduce it. And every time it went two, below 2%, they'd go the other way. After the Great Recession... Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke's historic move tying Fed funds to a specific unemployment rate along with an inflation target. The FOMC declared its target of a 2% inflation rate in 2012. Really historic uh, target set by the Federal Reserve. Something very specific that people have been screaming for. Some economists argue that the inflation target should be less than 2%, like Honig, formerly of the Kansas City Fed. He thinks there should be no target at all. Instead, inflation of 0%. And in the long run, that's the best for the economy. I think it's more credible to have a lower target. It's, it's perfectly fine to fall below 2%. Closer to zero, I think you would be well served. If you go back into the literature, Milton Friedman was actually arguing for an inflation rate of about minus 2 or minus 3% as being the optimal inflation rate. But I mean, I think that's probably a bit too severe. But roughly, or 1% deflation is not problematic in, in my view, because it's just reflecting the reality that a lot of prices are falling. That people are afraid of deflation. The fact of the matter is, people become afraid of deflation because of the Great Depression. It, it's become almost stereotyped. They don't understand that it wasn't modest deflation, it was very serious deflation. As deflation, it is just as dangerous as inflation. Deflation is when there is sustained downward movement of prices for goods and services. So, for example, it would make it harder for companies and households to pay debts off. Following the Great Depression, we had the Keynesian Revolution, where you had more government deficits, more government spending, and therefore a stronger likelihood of increasing inflation than people were used to it. So that's how we've kind of evolved into accepting inflation. You associate inflation with mild inflation, not the hyperinflation we had in the late 1970s. Economists that argue for 2% or lower targets often point to how aiming for anything higher may lead to higher and higher inflation. What are you going to get when you get to 3%? What's it going to do to asset values? Or if they're prepared to tolerate 4, they'll be prepared to tolerate 7 or whatever. And inflation expectations rapidly become destabilized with a higher target. When you start inflating, you actually invite asset bubbles, and that is a very dangerous road for any country to take, especially a country that is the world's reserve currency. Why does the central bank want to use its policies to increase the cost of living for ordinary citizens? It's just bananas. But there's no evidence that three or 4% inflation you know, does substantial damage relative to 2% inflation. In 2017, some economists wrote a letter to the FOMC making the case for a higher target. 
are we still thinking that we could up it to this three or four percent inflation rate? You know, signed that letter back in 2017. And so our thought process was we should enter the next recession where we might have to push interest rates all the way back to zero again with a higher rate of inflation. Economist Lawrence Ball was also one of those signatures on the letter. The, the double digit inflation of the 1970s, Paul Volcker and the Federal Reserve conquered inflation. What people forget is that uh, after the Volcker disinflation, inflation leveled off at about 4% in the late 1980s. And at that point, Paul Volcker was willing to declare victory and inflation sort of went away as uh, a major concern or political issue. Here's the Fed's reasoning for aiming for positive inflation at all. Reason one, a positive number makes it easier to measure inflation. We want to make sure measurement error doesn't push us all the way down into negative. Slightly higher rate of kind of baseline inflation is good for the economy and that it can sort of grease the wheels of lots of, of adjustments that need to happen. Reason two, aiming for inflation lowers the risk of deflation. Is like a really extended bad recession. And so it collapses back to the case that we should have as many tools as possible to get us out of really steep, long recessions. Which brings us to three. It gives the Fed room to cut interest rates if there's an economic downturn. Interest rate that matters is what's called the real interest rate. It's like the interest rate that's posted, and then you minus off inflation from that to get the real interest rate. If inflation is very low, then interest rates actually can't get all that low. Like even if the Fed puts the interest rate at zero, if inflation's only 2%, you can only get to negative 2% on interest rates. But if you need an even lower interest rate to push the economy back to full employment to end the recession, you're stuck. Up until 2008, uh, the Fed had developed a pretty effective way of dealing with recessions. The Fed would start cutting interest rates and that would stimulate consumption and investment and spending. And in 2008, there was still a recession, should have cut interest rates more, but then interest rates were already uh, zero. And, and you can't have negative interest rates simply because people are not going to lend money. The 2017 letter points to how the Fed's policy rate remained at zero for several years, and there was no acceleration of demand growth. It's, it's hard to imagine now, given that we've had a genuine problem of too high inflation for a while. The problem from like 2009 to 2019, basically, was that the Federal Reserve had declared it had a 2% inflation target, but it consistently was missing it on the low side. Inflation was just not coming in at 2% over a long period of time. And we thought, I thought, and I think the other people in the letter agreed, that that was a problem. The letter also argues there was a lack of evidence that moderately higher inflation would harm American standard of living. Instead, the letter notes tremendous evidence that a tighter labor market would improve standards of living. Inflation basically helps people climb out of debt a little faster, especially the occasional unexpected burst of inflation is a real boon to people who have a lot of debt. That problem is inflation. 4% inflation was low enough for Paul Volcker. It should be low enough for the rest of us. Since the pandemic, the Federal Reserve replaced its 2% inflation target with some more flexible language. It's not inflation targeting, it's average inflation targeting. Came after 15 Fed listening events. Most economists agree that the Fed announcing a drastic change to interest rates would be a PR disaster. I think that at the moment, the Fed has a little bit of a credibility problem. They let inflation get to 9%. If they were to change the target, their credibility problem would only grow. People would say, oh yeah, changing the goalposts. If Jerome Powell you know, said, 
oh, did I say 2%? Oh, I meant 4%. Oh, sorry, you know, my, my bad, but oh, it's 4%. That would shake confidence in, in the Fed. If we could make the change without that political awkwardness or without losing credibility, I would do it in a heartbeat. I understand the Fed's reluctance. Fed Chair Jerome Powell has said that the inflation target of 2%, average or not, won't change anytime soon. I'm think I'm going to retire as an economist with the target still at 2%. But I do think, you know, there's a chance. And there are some pretty influential people in the central banking world who are in favor of a higher target. So um, I wouldn't rule it out entirely. Well, I think adopting 2% is a lot better than adopting nothing. <laughs> than adopting, you know, than not having adopting an inflation target. So, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's not ideal in, in my view, but it's a lot better than not having an inflation target.